Inspiration now in session. Inspire God's people. Off the record. Alright, I'm ready. My dreams line up with God's dream. Now you know exactly what I mean. But this stays off the record. Let's talk off the record. This is off the record. Let's get off the record. Yeah. What's up, people? I am your host, Jay Will. And I would like to welcome you to inspire God's people. Hey, inspire God's people. Hey, inspire God's people. Hey. All right. I apologize. I just zoned out like 10 seconds into the show and I done lost my mind. My bad. I'm back. You know what I don't understand? Why is it so hard to choose a movie to watch these days? And you got all these options. You got like Netflix and Hulu and On Demand and all the movie channels. It's thousands of movies to watch, but yet it's so hard to find a good movie. And it's not even just when you're at home either. I'm sorry, man, but these movies that are coming out now, and I hate to be this guy, the when I grew up guy. But today I'm going to be the when I grew up, movies were good. They were wholesome and all about the love of Christ. Okay, I'm exaggerating, but still, why does it seem like stuff just isn't as authentic anymore? The sitcoms are weak. Uh, the movies are all about the apocalypse, like everything that comes out now. You scroll through Netflix and it's like, oh, with two people left on earth and blah, da, 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 da. I've heard it before. I've seen it before. I'm not even finishing these movies. Half of them, I don't even finish the trailer. You know that's bad when you don't even finish the trailer to a movie. I don't understand, though, why are we so, like, fascinated with the end of the world? And don't get me wrong, I understand why the world is fascinated with it, because I watch some of these movies and I see how they use this narrative of the end of the world, and they try to do their best to take it away from God, to take it away from Christ. So it used to be like, oh, people don't believe in all this kind of crazy stuff. Now it's like, oh, yeah, we believe in it. We just don't believe that what the Bible says is true. You feel me? And I think Christians, and 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 warning sign, warning sign, get out of there, get out of there, Mayday, it's going down. Christians, we got to start sending warnings to each other because I'm seeing so many of us become fooled by the ways of the world and all of their little doctrine and everything is just like crazy now. The movies are just like, just so left field. What's my point? Don't be concerned about the end of the world from the world's standpoint. Listen, man, the world ended when you became a Christian. The day you became a Christian, the day you gave your life to Christ was the end of the world. I actually think the larger concern is that the world hasn't ended for so many of us. Like how many Christians are out here and we spend most of our time trying to defend our old ways and what we want to still do and how it's okay to still do this or that as a Christian. One thing that I always am kind of like nervous about is if I'm debating somebody about how it's still okay to do something, because it's like, look, even if it is okay to watch this or listen to that or whatever, I'm not preaching the gospel of 
listening to this song or watching this movie. And if I find myself in a situation like that, then to me, it's kind of a reflection that maybe I'm a little out of pocket. Like, even if you think something is okay, do you think it's okay to the point that you have to preach about it and tell other people how they need to still hold on to this thing that you're holding on to? We all need to look in the mirror and make sure that the gospel that we're preaching is the gospel and that we're not turning our emotions or our past into the gospel for someone else, all because we don't want the world to end. The end of the world can be a scary thing, and I believe that in some ways as Christians, the end of the world metaphorically scares us. It's like the spiritual apocalypse where it's like, oh my God, I don't, I can't go to this club anymore. I don't hang around these old friends or these old things anymore. It's like, my world is over, no! There's a different way of thinking about this stuff. Like Christianity is not about what I can't do. It's not a prison. It's not like, oh, I don't get to do this or I don't get to do that. What about what you get to do? What about freedom and peace and salvation? Like these are good things. And I think part of the way we look at Christianity is that we allow the world to paint the narrative of what it is. And that's not what it is. Because let's just take a real example. Like if I used to go to the club and do whatever every week with all these old friends and all that, and then I give my life to Christ, the way the world wants me to think about it is like, man, Jay can't do this no more. Oh no, you know, he don't do that no more. Man, you missing out, oh, for real? When in reality what it is, it's like, oh no, Jay not depressed no more. Jay not arrogant anymore. Jay is at peace now. Like he's content now. Jay isn't void anymore. We need to change the way that we think about salvation and actually think about salvation through the lens of the Bible versus through the lens of the world. And sometimes you just got to hit the pause button on everything that's happening because I understand life moves fast. Stuff come at you so fast sometimes you don't even get a chance to really think about it. And this is why we need to be meditating on the word and just thinking and reading the word. Because if you don't pause everything else around you and take that time to read the word, you'll let the world shape your Christianity. You'll let the world shape your relationship with God and have you looking at something that is your biggest blessing as like a curse. It is not a curse that you don't go out and get drunk and get high every week. It's a blessing that you're sober minded and that your body is more healthy now because you're not putting all that filth in it, all those bad substances in it. And you're a better person because you're at peace now, because you're not going around sleeping around with 20 different people now. And so now just mentally you're in a better place. Now you're not broken and wounded and looking for validation and looking to be called cute by some stranger or other people and all those things. Now you have the peace of God in your life. This is what salvation is. And we have to stop letting the world misrepresent it and misrepresent our relationship with God. But I think part of this is that we kind of have lost our saltiness. And when we get out of place, then we allow someone else to lead and that person is leading and we're lost. And so we're supposed to be the ones that's found and we're walking around lost. It's like, hey, you supposed to be the one chasing me and hide and seek and you walking around hiding. We out of place.
and we got to get back to where we belong. And part of that is just how we're thinking through this whole walk of salvation. All right, let's jump into a scripture real quick. We're going to check out 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 15. Today, I'm reading from the New Living Translation Bible. Here's what it says. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and raised for them. Verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Man, we used to look at things from a human point of view, but once we've given our life to Christ because he died for us and saved us from our sins, we got a whole new way of looking at this thing. And this is what I'm saying. We have to view salvation from what the Bible says it is. Verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. All right. Now, I don't know how you feel about this, but I like new shoes. Okay. We'll use this as an example. I love new shoes. Actually, I've always been this way and I like to get new shoes and I give the old ones away. That's how I do. I'm not really into like washing shoes. To be honest, I just want a whole new shoe. Like I just wear them until it's like, oh, those got a little bit of dust on them. They not crispy. I'm going to just give those away and buy some new ones. That's typically how I get down as it relates to shoes. Okay. What's my point? Ain't nothing better to me than some brand new shoes. I'm telling you like new shoes, just do it for me. The whole rest of my outfit can look like whatever, whoever, however, whenever. If you give me some brand new J's or some Air Max or something like that, uh, I'm dropping them. I'm coming in. You're looking like, hey, my man, Dusty up top, buddy. Oh, he clean down low. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he clean down low. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he clean on the feet. I'm sorry. Boy, clean on them feet. My point is, why is it that spiritually we value the old thing at a higher value than we do the new life? And the new person, listen, people out there, your old life is not better than your new life. Don't get stuck in the past. Don't get stuck over how it used to be over Sally them house when you played cards on Friday night. Oh, it used to be so real. You know what I'm saying? Look, man, I know that was fun, but isn't it a lot better now that you have a stable family, a stable household, finances are in a better place? This is what happens when you start living a life for Christ and really aligning things with him. Things become what? In order. That's what happens. Old life ain't doper than the new life. If the old life was better, Jesus wouldn't have died on the cross. Jesus did not go to the cross for us to live the same life we were living in the first place. He went to the cross so that we can become new so that we could be renewed in our mind, so we can have a completely different perspective on life and righteousness and holiness and make it into the kingdom of heaven and live for him. No longer living for ourselves. Look, I know when you was wilding out on every Friday night, when I was doing stuff, I ain't had no business doing what I was doing. We were doing that for ourselves. But you know the beauty it is to be able to call yourself an ambassador of christ we should say that you gotta stand up straight put your chest out when you say that 
Yes, I am an ambassador for Christ. Yes. Ah, here's my badge. The badge of holiness. Come on, man. Y'all know how people are when they got like a job working for like, you know, the mayor or like the, the president, the secret service. Those people look like they proud. They just, yes, yes, I am the secret service. Copy 10-4 ETA 0-1400 hours over and out. Walkie talkies and everything. Christians need walkie talkies, man. I'm buying everybody walkie talkies. And we gonna walk around like the save secret service. Copy. Watch your two o'clock on this one, fellas. The presence of the Lord is here. I said the presence of the Lord is here. I can feel it in the atmosphere. Over and out. We gotta be proud to be Christians. We we shouldn't be ashamed and we shouldn't shrink down to the world and and make it seem like they got it going on, like they got everything right. Like, no, man. We are the salt of the earth. Don't lose your saltiness. Hey, don't lose your saltiness. Hey, they love they something. All right, my bad. It's time to get social. Let's get social. It's time to get social. Let's get social. Let's get social. Let's get social. Let's get social. Alright guys, people, it's time to head over to my Facebook page, Jermaine James, and we're going to get social. Alright, so let's do it. The very first post today has 180 likes, 36 comments, and 11 shares. Here's what I said. People will argue all day on social media, but won't help their kids do homework. Somebody tell me I'm lying. Man, we have let social media become such a huge part of our lives and it almost takes over sometimes. You know what I mean? And I made this post just to kind of make people think in a funny way about prioritization. Like you have other responsibilities in life. So when you're on social media and you find yourself like even with a righteous indignation, just arguing all day or trying to prove your point, ask yourself a question. What am I forsaking? to give social media this amount of time. You know what I mean? Because it's like, kids got homework, you know, they gotta eat, you, the house ain't clean. Look, let's just make a rule right now. No more arguing on social media if your house ain't clean. Don't find yourself in a room just going off all day typing like, no, 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 you didn't. And it's like, look fam, you got socks, jeans, underwear, all on the side of the bed, and you've been arguing with this person about predestination for the last hour and a half. Look, I understand that we're passionate about the things that we believe in, but there's another way to actually live these passions out. Like, I don't like to forsake real life and ignore real life and give all that energy to social media. And I am saying this, I'm gonna you know, put my flag in the ground on this planet right here. And I'm gonna say that I think people are ignoring real life and valuing social media even more than that. So it's kind of like, man, are you putting this much energy into ministering and preaching the gospel to your coworkers, to your friends, to your family? Like our phones take so much of our time and our attention that we'll walk around in real life actually ignoring everyone in our presence just to be tuned into this phone. Listen, the
the kids need help with their homework. Put the phone down. Put the phone down. Hey, put the phone down. I'm going to start saying that more. Put the phone down. All right, next post. Let's see what we got. Oh, here's a good one. 149 likes, 41 comments, 9 shares. Here's what I said. Christians are starting to identify with their political party more than Christ. I actually feel very strongly about this. Another thing that I think is very dangerous that I think sometimes we do unconsciously. And so I'm not condemning anyone. I'm not trying to make anyone feel horrible or anything. But what I am saying is I want you to stop and just think, because I think what happens in this life, and I've said this before, information is coming at us so fast. It's like an ocean current. You know, if you like look out into the water, you know, heavy waters where the current is going, if you step in there, you're going to go where that current goes. And sometimes I think as Christians, we have to step back in this society because information is a current and all of these movements and organizations and things that we're just bombarded with is making us just go with the flow and find ourselves so far away from Christ that it don't make any sense. And what I'm saying is, you know, think about that. When you are out on a boat or something and you look out into that current, that current is dangerous and it's powerful. And if you step out there, sometimes you'll end up so far away from safety, so far away from the boat that your life can be in jeopardy. And so that's the point I was making here. I'm not saying that Christians can't get into politics or things like that, but I'm just urging you, whatever side that you fall on, to be careful. Because what we should really be identifying with is Christ, Christianity, the blood of Jesus, my brothers and sisters in Christ. We take something like politics and we make it the primary identification for ourselves. And we take something like Christianity and Jesus Christ and we make it secondary. And what I'm trying to say is like, do you realize how dangerous that is? to make Christ secondary to social issues, Christ secondary to financial issues, all of these things that can be important in their own right if we prioritize them. I'm not saying we shouldn't think about these things. I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about these things, but we have to be very careful as Christians because what happens when, hey, I'm a Christian and I'm a part of the color gray movement and you're a Christian, and you're a part of the color brown movement. And we're both passionate about representing these colors and what they mean for our individual life and our individual experiences. And hey, you don't understand the gray side, and I don't understand the brown side. Okay, but as Christians, can we put all of that aside and say, well, the color red, the blood of Jesus, like he died for us, he covered us. This should be bringing us together more than our differences should be pulling us apart. And what I'm noticing in today's society more and more each day, and I'm telling you because I'm talking to Christians, a lot of times when I say I'm noticing or I've been observing, I'm not just making up this stuff in my head. I actually try to talk to people on all sides. And the more I talk to Christians and actually just dialogue with them, the more I'm seeing red flags where I'm like, ooh, whoa. Whoa, wait a minute, my brother, wait a minute, my sister. 
it seems like you're identifying so much with this particular issue um, of politics that you're actually losing track of what Christ called us to do. Because the last time I checked in reading the word, there's nothing in there that tells us to value something that we, you know, believe in on this earth more than Christ. It is not in the Bible. Jesus said, hey, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. I know that that's not a direct correlation, you know, as it relates to taxes, right, and money and finances. But what I'm saying is when you think about it, right, taxes, government, that's a political issue. Those are the type of things that each side, Democrat, Republicans, begin to argue over, you know, who should pay more taxes, what should taxes cover, and all those type of things. And Jesus' mentality towards it was like, hey, give them what's theirs, right? He had other things that he was more concerned about. What I'm saying is as Christians, man, I just don't want to be in a place where I'm upset and angry with a brother and sister in Christ. Like the same Jesus that saved me saved you. And yet we can't come into a room and have a decent conversation or because you stand for a certain movement and I stand for another one. We value those things more than we value Christ to the point where we're identifying more with non-believers, right? We're aligning more with non-believers than we are other believers because those things we have in common with non-believers have become more important in our own mind, even if it's unconsciously. I'm not accusing anyone of purposely doing this. I'm just kind of saying this is something that we all have to be careful of. Myself, you, whoever is listening, let's be careful, brothers and sisters in Christ, not to put something above Christ, man. I just, that worries me. I'm, I'm being honest, that, that genuinely worries me when I'm talking to a fellow Christian and I'm like, man, like we're giving these other issues more passion, more attention. Like we're preaching these with more purpose than we're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm like, yo, this is scary. Listen, man, do not, do not, do not, hey, do not, do not, do not, hey, put your political party over your relationship with Christ. And make sure that your relationship with Christ is actually driving whatever your involvement is with any political party and or organization. Let Christ be the anchor. Put your phone down, fam. All right, last one. This one had 121 likes, 37 comments, and five shares. Can you say you're protesting Gucci if you can't afford it? Hashtag asking for me. So I try to stay away from any of these like current events and news and stuff. That's not what I build my show on, you know? It's a very proactive show. I don't need the world news and to react to everything that they're doing to come up with topics and things that I want to talk about. But this whole fashion thing is kind of taking over with these brands doing all this crazy stuff. So, you know, I got people calling me and everything telling me they protesting it. And I'm looking at their wardrobe like, hold on, fam. Um, I ain't never seen you in Gucci ever before this happened. And I'm probably not going to see you in it after this happened. So I had a real life question. Can you call it a protest if you can't afford it? Can I really sit up here and say, oh, I'm protesting Bentley because they did something crazy. It's like, look, fam, um, I hate to break it to you. You've been protesting Bentley your whole life. Don't call it a protest. Now, I know that technically 
to protest something is just to object it, right? So technically, you can call it that. But I don't want to be technical today. I want us to operate in the realm of common sense. You ever seen people outside protesting on strike at their job? You know how crazy it would be for me to go get a picket sign at a place that I never worked before and go out there with the people like, no, we won't come back till we get the wages. We won't come back till we get the wages. No. They'll be out there looking at me like, do y'all know this man? <laughs> like this dude don't work here and he protesting. Don't call it a protest, people. Let me say this. Here's the only Gucci I have. I got this little $5 oil that somebody probably mixed up in their basement. The lady used to sell at my wife's job. I got that, Gucci guilty. The stuff smells good to me. Listen, I'll take a $5 compliment. People who complimenting you don't know how much it costs. They giving you, you know, compliments like you paid full price. That's why I love getting things on sale. Then I had another Gucci outfit when I was about five. My aunt was in the army and she got this Gucci outfit from Korea and she sent it to me and my brother and our name was stitched on the left side of the jacket. And auntie, I love you, but I always questioned if that was real. I never seen the Gucci store selling stuff with my name on it, baby girl. So, hey, on that note, let me get out of here before I get in trouble. Look, do me a favor, pick up your phone. Oh, I thought he said put my phone down. Look, put your phone down. Pick your phone up. Do whatever. But when you have your phone in your hand, search jwillmusic.com. Visit me. Let me know what you think of the show. And y'all know what I like to say. If you don't like this show, just act like you like it. Inspire guys, people. jwillmusic.com.